Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Rick Shields Golf Show podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Rick Shields. I'm here with producer Guy. I'm also with a really good friend of mine who is kind of a guest today, slash co-host, slash bit of a legend. Oh, co-host. I know. Straight in at co-host level. Jesus. We sat down with Andy Carter today. Now, if you've not checked out Carter, <clears throat> the best way to describe you. Oh, I'm waiting for this. <laughs> <laughs> what the, you, you've watched the, what, how do you describe yourself? Oh, you've bailed there, haven't you? Yeah. You've bottled it. <laughs> I would describe myself as a full-time golf coach. Nice, nice support. Yes, a full-time golf coach and part-time, sometimes in and out of making videos on YouTube. You're less than part-time YouTuber. <laughs> Zero hours <laughs> contract. Excuse me, as we, as we do this right now, there's a video coming out this evening. Oh, coincidentally. Little plug off the back of this. I mean, so had to scrape one together quick. We have a mad history, which I really want to dive into today. We first met when we were 16 years old. Yes. We went through college together. Yes. We then went through, how many, how many years were we working at Trafford together for? Oh, of course, yeah. Probably probably three. We did three so years. I was at five, and I think you left then. We did three years at Trafford. We have had a little bit of a kind of YouTube journey. You were an usher at my wedding. That's true. That is very you have to true. think then. When was that? 2013. 2013. And uh, you've now, you've moved to Dubai. How long yes. have you been in Dubai for now? Coming up to four years in Dubai. Keep your mouth a little bit closer to the mic, please. Sorry. Just tilt it up a bit like this, maybe, if you want. Don't ruin it, God. Andy. God. I didn't realise it. It sounds good to me. Well, so-so. Um, how, so how long, how long <laughs> have you been in Dubai for, sorry? Four years in Dubai. Four years in January. So I want to dive into that a little bit as well, because that was... I always remember that was something you were always keen on doing, yeah. getting away from England, getting away from your roots, getting away from your hometown, yep. for whatever reason, I'm not quite sure, <laughs> to warmer, hotter climates. Yes. And I want to kind of find out how that's gone, what's what's the positive of teaching abroad, working abroad, et cetera, et cetera. So, funnily enough, for me, Dubai nearly came about before I even went to Dublin. Oh, I forgot you went Dublin? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Let, let's save let's, all that. Okay, so I we'll go with Dubai. Dubai. No, even that. I'm going to save that. Let's go right back in time. Sorry, we're kind of jumping here everywhere. No, uh, the best way I think what we always do have a guest on is how do you start playing golf? Yes. And then from there, we'll go on this journey where Rick can come in and all that Chrono- stuff. Chronological. Mm. Okay. Age of 12. But I think that's quite late as well, isn't it? But for me, it was always football. Yeah, you Ma- were football massive, mad. Massive Man United fan. But it was always football. And when you realise 
you can't even get in the starting 11 team for your under 13 <laughs> squad. <laughs> Relatable. <laughs> you're not going to be playing at Old Trafford. So, well, actually, we'll come, come to on that one, shall we? We've actually played a strike force we, at Old Trafford together. We have, yeah. What oh year was dear. that? Was that 2012? No, it wouldn't have been after I was married. Maybe 2014, 15. I'm rubbish with years. But I think it was 2015. It. We had to drop the Manchester 10K for that. We'll come on to this a bit. Anyway, we've got right. lots to cover. <laughs> Let's go back to 12 years of age. Yeah, joined, joined Davey and Park Golf Club pretty much at the age of 13. And I don't know, I just kind of went on from there. But I never really took golf that seriously. Even up until the age of 15, 16, I was only off. Only off. I was off, I was off eight at 16. And that's yeah. when I went to Myersco. And Myersco, I remember, was a very last minute decision. Was it really? Yeah, because I really just didn't want to carry on with school I wasn't interested in college I wasn't interested in A-levels and I just couldn't see myself going to do a an A-level in whatever, whatever science whatever. or yeah, history just, or whatever it just doesn't just didn't sit well with me so when I found out about Myersco I literally we went straight down and I was like oh, this is the place I need to be just a quick one then we've had this before but to people that don't know what Myersco is or new listeners can you explain it in like a sentence or two <laughs> great fun Myersco is a sport. I say it's a sports college, isn't it? Sports? No, it's not. It's a. It's a what is it? What would agricultural you, it's got agriculture, college? Yeah, it's got agriculture, horticulture. That's plants and stuff, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, um, and sport. You could you could study at Myersco what you wouldn't study at a normal college. Hmm. So, that's, for example, that's the one. football, yeah, golf, rugby, cricket. You could be a cricket. You could go there to study cricket. You could be a mechanic there. That's right. You could more study, vocational stuff. Yeah, yeah, you could study equestrian. Yeah, you, lots of horsey girls there, <laughs> which made it a nice time at college. Do elaborate. <laughs> like you, you could do, you could do a lot more. It was more practical college. I would describe That's it right, as. Yeah. That's yeah. probably a good yeah. way of describing yeah. it. And it was certainly, like you say, more vocational. So that when you came out of college, you kind of knew your pathway to a degree. It would have been. Weird for you to maybe have studied mechanics there. You could do greenkeeping there as That's well. Right, that was yeah. also a yeah. massive uh, factor of college. And I feel like once you did college, it was almost given you were going to probably go down that route. Well, what was yeah. your when you were going then, Andy? What was your intention that you would come out and be a golf coach or be a player or what? What did you really kind of hope and aspire to be? If I'm honest, when I went there, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. I actually looked into a scholarship at in America as well for eight when I got to eighteen. Um, with one of the companies that kind of came into the college. And I don't know, it was a strange one. I only really got into coaching once I'd started my first job. I think once you were in, once you went to that college, it did set you up for quite a few things. You were learning business. You were basically doing your degree at 16, weren't you? Because when you do the PJ degree, it's almost the same thing. You're doing your degree, you're doing your, your business, your sport, your, your rules, injuries, just science, everything to do with surrounding golf. It's basically a sports degree purely focused on golf so you could leave that and just think i could do anything in golf yeah. almost and then with a taste of everything really which one do i really enjoy and then that was the then, then the pga kind of helps you almost then decide from there then did you go as 16 year old andy carter thinking i was going to do two years at college and then i was going to be on tour was yeah. that was that a pipe dream? at that, first yeah it was certainly where i i sat with a hundred percent and i wasn't as good as you when we first started college and i'm probably not now but i was i was probably <laughs> off you know i probably was so you were off eight when you went I was to off college eight, yeah yeah I'm, i reckon i was maybe off nine or ten yeah when i was 16 and i honestly had this very deluded mindset like, yep. that after two years grinding 
practicing every single day, mm-hmm. being a really good boy, yep. that I would come out of there at 18 being the next best yeah. Well, you said when you were at your golf club growing up, you were kind of the big fish in a small pond. So you kind of thought you were going to be the best thing. Did you, were, you the, were you a similar thing then, Andy? Were you like the best player junior or whatever at your club? I will never forget my very first day, I walked into the, the hall, like the dorms or the halls, because we're 16, we're sharing with somebody else. And the guy I was sharing with is now on the Euro Pro Tour. Who's that? George Woolgar. I can't remember and I'll never forget him because he was kind of, he was there plus one handicapper probably thinking this is the the UK version of a golf scholarship in the US. I'm going to be on a, the, the team and we're going to be playing amazing courses. I've dawdled in there, eight handicapper. I feel like I put him off a little bit because he left after the first week. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't remember him. <laughs> no, he was literally there. It might not even have been a week. Wow. So and I'm not taking the full blame for that, but I think he also went in there with the idea that this was going to propel him to the tour. Yes. So I think we all went in with that idea. Now, who's to blame for that? Who knows? Like, it doesn't doesn't really matter, I, but... I think at 16, certainly now, I feel like you kind of know if you're destined to make it on tour. 16-year-olds like, now? Yeah. Yeah, I think they'll know now better than we would have known then. You know why? So, social, social media, media. Yeah. yeah, 100%. I remember when I was growing up, I was a similar thing. I wasn't good enough, but thought I might be. And the only time I could see these really good golfers were like results of the Faldo series or whatever, yeah, or yeah. little bits of the Daily Telegraph. Yeah. Whereas now that you said, if you've got access to social, you see some guys off 16, who's 16 is plus three, or won this, won that. It's probably more... And I feel like there's more opportunities for under-18s now to showcase their talents in things like Faldo series and many, many other events around the world. I mean... There's even that one that little Leo played in, like America. What was that one called uh, again? We like, Wonders, is it? Or the, it's like the US Kids. Something, it's massive. And you have that documentary now that's on Netflix, a short, short game. game. Have you seen that? Seen so that, go no. and check it out. And if anyone's listening, definitely check it out. So it features like Annika... Um, Alan Kornikova, who is Anna Kornikova's younger brother. And, and it's just fascinating insight. These kids are incredible at the age of like 10. And we're there going to college at 16 thinking we're the bee's knees. What I would say though, do you not almost think then it's gone the complete opposite way around? So when you're on social media now and you might be you might be there, sixteen year old, four handicapper, and you're looking at other sixteen year olds off plus four, you might you might already just throw the towel in. But there's also nothing to say 100%. that you still can't make it. 100%. So is it That's not is that not gone the complete opposite direction now that puts people off? Which in one respect, what naught point naught one percent make it. So that's probably not a bad thing for some people, but at the same time, are we also missing out on a few players as yeah, well? Yeah, no, that's probably a good point. Um, I don't know if you... I, do you remember ever meeting me for the first time? No. Did we meet on the first day? I don't know. I don't think we did. I thought there was a story coming then. I was getting worried. <laughs> no, I, I mentioned in the previous podcast, I think, when Pete was on. Because, again, Pete Finch was at college with us. That's right. It was you, me, Finchie, Sam Meller. I'm trying to think of all the people that have got into social media. Is that pr- pretty much it? Like Matt um, Fryer didn't come with us. He wasn't there. No, Matt Fryer wasn't there. Um, I probably think that's it. Who's in social media now? Yeah, yeah, I'd say you're about right. So I don't remember massively knowing you, but I remember not meeting you straight away or clicking off as being friends. But I always remember you being very particular about your room, and like because we used to sometimes go into each other's like dorms and stuff, messing about, watch playing like PlayStation Grand, Grand or Theft Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> What's the other one that we used to play loads? I was always Grand Theft Auto. There's Grand Theft Auto and there was another racing one. 
Oh, Need for Speed. Need, Need for, for Speed. Speed. I did download that recently just for that. Need for Speed Underground 2 was the one. That was, <laughs> it was so good. I was so to, bad at that. Yeah. Used you to have you like drag races. And yeah. We used to have to like the hit change the gears at a perfect yeah. time. Oh, it was so good. So we used to we used to go into each other's dorms. And again, picture seeing you're 16 years of age, living away from home for five days Is that week. too young almost? I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> I well, absolutely you, love it. Silly question. How do you like eat? Because like the kids that age cook food. No, like, so, what do you even do? So we had a cafeteria. Didn't I had we? a cafeteria. Yeah. It, to be honest, it was pretty sick. We had a cafeteria where you go for breakfast. Like nice food as well. You walk past all the uh, over 18s blocks. So yeah. Hot girls in there. So you'd uh, who'd been doing <laughs> what with who? And then and then even like lunchtime there was meals on like cafeteria. Even evening meals there was food on, and yeah. you could order food. It was like it was like a there was like a tuck shop there There's as little, well. There was a little, little shop tuck shop pantry. Um, you you might take a few snacks yourself. You might take some cans of Boddingtons that I used to drink back in the day. Like you this t- man was a Boddingtons <laughs> animal at the age of sixteen. <laughs> you know, you know, in like the early two thousands when they were peaking. I think that was, I think that was down to was me. this like um, Algapops days as well? Where Algapops a big thing on back then? Uh, I don't. I'm not I don't much. recall Algapops back then. Only with a straw in them. But yes. again, granted, I mean, really, we're, we're underage. Yeah, you just, like, that's, a, that's a big admission. We're underage at that time. I wasn't that drinking. Time. I was on water. Yeah, whatever. Of course. <laughs> like, you're 16, you're living away from home, you're 20 minutes, 25 minutes away from Preston, mm. where you'd go out. I mean, we used to go out three times a week. Yeah. Mom, that was always risky as well when you're under 18. It was like, if you don't get in, you're on your own. It was, it was yeah, five, five last pound, man standing. Five pound, five pound taxi in with, with Mo. But, you could, but honestly, you could go out comfortably and get a real, have a, I won't say, have a really good night on a tenner. Yeah. Couldn't you? Yeah. Because we used to share a minibus. Used to be eight of us that cramming a minibus. We'd get a return that was dead, dead cheap. I had the guy's number, didn't I? I used to always ring him. And if you got in at a certain time, it was like no entry. It was like, uh, we spoke about this with Pete on the podcast. It was like 50p a pint. 50p a castle main, wasn't it? So, and it was but you had to literally put your, <laughs> you had to close your nose. It was awful. It was the eggiest pint. So we drink that as much as we can at 16, 17, that kind of age, and just have a top night. And it was just class. And like say... Life lessons. Well, you, you, don't, you don't really get hangovers back then. The day after we were You've in class. You've never had a hangover in your life. I did do well, this week. started recently. I did do really, after ha- really happy about. <laughs> after, your bloody, after, your, after our weekend. Um, you know, it just, it was, like you said, it's life experiences. Mm. Like fending for yourself, making friends. I mean, what was really nice, we used to have a cleaner for our rooms and stuff and everything, yeah, didn't we? They right, were so yeah. good. They used to fold your clothes and everything. I'm surprised you had just 16, you wanted a, a, somebody <laughs> coming into your room and. True. Prying. <laughs> so I used to stick all your dirty dirty clothes in a bag yeah. and your mum would, mum would pick you up at a weekend on a Friday and you'd drive home and you'd sleep all the way were you home. Were to be going home at this point on a Friday? Or were you, no, then, you, no, you needed it. I, I, you know what, because you have then your home mates. Yeah. yeah. So like you have your mates at home and to be honest, even though we'd been out three times a week in the week, you, you're out at weekends. I had to work. You know what? I wonder why we didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why we didn't make it out on tour. in fairness, one player, did, one person did make it. But he wasn't going out every night. Exactly. So one one golfer, there was a golfer at our college called Chris Hansen, who made it out to European Tour. He played in the Open a few times. I mean, he nearly won. He nearly won on the European Tour. He, even back then, he was the best of the best of the best by oh, yeah. a mile. Yeah, yeah. Back then, like ridiculous. Yeah. Would you see him at a nightclub on Monday night? No. Nope. Would you see him on a Wednesday night? No. Nope. Nightclub. Would you see him on a Thursday night? No. Nope. No. Nope. 
and that's answer. what that's what it takes. So then the, you started at sixteen. Did you stay till you were eighteen or like twenty one? I stayed till I was twenty one. So five years. Yeah. And then did you come I, out? I, I milked a, it basically. Of course. Why not? It sounds like yeah. you, the dream. Did you come out as a PJ pro then, or as an amateur no. still? So actually, this is the first thing I remember when I first when we first signed up for it. And we, when we first signed up for the university side of it. I was sure that after that, you had to do one more extra year as a top-up to be the P- to do the PGA. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But, but that got changed changed halfway through doing the uni. All right. So, I mean, you might as well stay on. You might as well get a degree while you're there. So, when I left, to be fair, when I left that, I was kind of a little bit, kind of in, I was a little bit in limbo. I think I was a bit golfed out, a bit fed up of golf. It was five years of studying golf. And going out all the time. And going out all the time. I was just shattered. Um and then about a year after I actually left, that's when I decided to go and do the PGA. Well, for it me... Did, it didn't leave you any options, really, did it? At 18, I was done. You, you did yeah. two years, didn't you? I was just done. Like, so I was like, me then? I, went, I thought, I've had, my, I've had my blowout. I've had two years living a university life, really. Yeah. And the thought of, like, when you went to university, then you went and got a house in Preston. That's right. Then you proper had to fend for yourself. Yeah, that was that was. And I, that I was don't tough. think that was quite me. So yeah, I decided to <laughs> at eighteen. I, I decided to to leave and go more into actual getting a job. Really. So when you left then Carter at twenty one, what was your handicap at this point? Was it still was was the dreams of being a P, like a playing pro gone, or was there still hopes and dreams of that? It wasn't. I think I was off four at the time. So low enough so, for the PGA. Low enough for the PGA and. I took a bit of a, a mini sabbatical. I still played a little bit, but I wasn't really focused. And then when I decided that I was going to go back into it and just do my PGA, I wanted to do my PGA off scratch. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a scratch golfer. So in, I actually got down from four to scratch in about three to four months. Why did you think that? What What was the kind of thinking behind you had to be off, you wanted to be off scratch? Just my, the no playing ability test? Well, that's or? it. There's one you don't have to do a playing ability test. You don't test. have to do a playing ability, which I actually ended up doing anyway. Because when I applied, I was off one. Oh. By the time I got to it, I was off scratch. Was it something something in your mind where you felt as a pro you should be a scratch golfer? I just felt golfer. like I had to be a scratch golfer. Or I think, but also, more for myself, I just wanted to be a scratch golfer. I wanted to say I was a scratch golfer. Makes so I sense. got down from four to scratch in about three to four months. Really? Actually, one of the rounds was at Mir, it dropped like 0.8 in one day. Nice. Because it became a non-qualifier and I oh, shot like yeah. one under par. Gross, off four. So, so that just kind of dropped me. When you started your PGA, was that when you moved to Ireland? Yeah, so I moved... I was in Manchester. I thought, right, I don't want to do my PGA here. I wanted to go off somewhere. So I had a, I had a job offer in Reading, which is about four hours south of Manchester, and a job offer in Dublin, which is only a 45-minute plane journey. <laughs> so the thinking there was it's quicker to get home from Dublin, which, let's be fair, it's not, is it? Because no. it's a different country. It's a different currency. We're in the Euros. We're in the Euro. Um, the flight well, didn't quite work out as I expected, but it was a really good move career-wise. It was a mega again, golf course it, as well, wasn't it? it? Yeah. Well, actually, my first course was a good golf course, but then I moved to the mega golf course about six months later. But it was a, it was a really good move again, just to just to branch out and just do something different, put yourself in an awkward position. I went, I moved. I didn't realize the area that I moved into. Didn't know. Obviously, didn't know anybody. Moved in with moved in with um, one of my now really close mates. We still speak to quite often, and this was over ten years ago. Um, join a local football team. Still trying to rekindle that footballing ability. They used to call me the used to call me Beckham because I was English. <laughs> That's the only similarity. Yeah. <laughs> and um, just then went from there. But I actually loved loved Dublin, loved Ireland. Really good. I think it 
was four years, maybe just over it four am- years. It is amazing out there. It's an amazing golf course. Is, and you meet, again, you're just, because you're on your own, you are just fending for yourself and you just, you, you, you're not, you can't just go back to parents or, I did a couple of times obviously, but can't just go back to parents, ask for help. You can't reach out and ask for, you just got to do it yourself. And I kind I, of enjoy that. I think. Problem solving. I think I could have done that, but never, I don't know, not got the opportunity, but never, it never kind of dawned, it never was presented in front of yeah, me, really. Yeah. Um, and I think you either, you can go and travel and live away and, you know, not be too scared about things like we say, or you prefer to stay at home and, you yeah. know, know what you know, really. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but then you move to the Island Golf Club. The Island Golf Club is amazing. So that is about 15 minutes north of Dublin, Lynx course. Just, they've they've talked about hosting the Irish Open there. Wow. But they just can't get the crowds in. It's one single lane estuary road into the golf course. So you couldn't pack in 50, 60,000 people on there. And how many people used to spell it wrong? It's spelled like an island, desert island, isn't it? Uh, Not yeah, island, the country. Yeah. yeah. So, but it was one of those courses as well, again, from a learning perspective at that age, of doing my PGA, it was busloads of Americans. So it's busloads of tourists. Um, so you again, you're this whole kind of pro shop. Are oh, you working in a pro shop? You're selling Mars bars all day. That wasn't that job. That was a barrage of tourists all day, every day. Se- sales selling. They, they walk in in shorts and t-shirt, coming from America, and you've got to sell them a full set of Galvin Greens. Mm-hmm. So the boss thinks you're the best thing since sliced bread, and the Americans are now wrapped up. <laughs> it's more of a, a resort course that you're at. And yeah, you're, you were almost doing more corporate sales as opposed to yeah. You know the old cliche, which I, I think gets branded about too much that you're just selling Mars bars yes. in a shop. It was it was a bit more testing you yeah, as, as a person, developing your skills, etc. Yeah. And is that where you started to kind of become fond of coaching? Was that where it kind of started? That's where coaching started. Cause my boss was very much again not against coaching. Didn't like coaching, so that was literally that was the only person there that could or wanted to coach. So I used to go and I used to coach at the drive. I used to coach at the driving range at the golf course, but. It wasn't floodlit or anything like that. So then I used to then I used a local driving range that would let me coach there in the evenings. And was that members from the club that would come to the driving range? Yeah. 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 So it was only around the corner. So I used to go and use the two driving ranges and just try and build up a built up a little bit decent little portfolio. Considering I was still working whatever hours, fifty hours a week. And did some e- evening coaching for a bit of cash in hand. He used to text me when he was in Ireland, going, Eric, um, I've got a holiday coming up. Um I could do with a bit of cash. How do I set up like a six-week a junior course? And like, <laughs> I was like, Carl, I don't just do it part-time. Like, do it proper. You can't just... Give me that quick cash. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's like, how do, how do I just get a load of money really quickly? Listen, I'm going to Vegas, Rick. I need, I've got six weeks. I've left it too late. You, you weirdly at that time went to Vegas a lot, didn't you? When you were in Ireland. No, that was another job. That was a job before moving to Ireland. Went there twice, didn't I? I can't remember. Yeah, that was... Ah, that was my. He was a stripper for a while. (laughs) Makes sense. I forgot about that. I've lost the body now, though. (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah, sorry, my bad. I know. Um, So then, four four years in Ireland. um, Then I got a phone call from you. Well, actually, I think I was ready to. I think I was pretty much ready to go full coaching. Nice. And then spoke to you, and then we broke a, a conversation with our then boss. And then literally I was ready to jump ship pretty quick. When did you start at Trafford then? Um, I don't know. Um, I'd have to work back my years. What were you? I would say 
nine years ago, 2012. Was I still working there? When I remember you being there. I don't can't remember if I worked there. You worked for Nike when I when saw you were there. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. You were working for Nike. So I so, well, I left in 2015. So that probably sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, 2012 then. And it was was there five of us then? Were you, did you become the fifth pro? No, I took over. I was the fourth pro because Adrian went out. I came in. So you were still the first, like original four pros at Trafford. Yes. They were the days, weren't they? They were the good days. So Trafford, obviously, if you've been a long, long, long time viewer of my channel, that's where I started doing my videos originally. Originally, that's where it all started. And a really busy driving range in the centre of mm -hmm. Manchester, right next door to the Trafford Centre, which is the one of the biggest shopping centres or shopping malls here in the UK. And had loads of passing trade, really good, really good driving range. And we used to have four coaches there. And I used to love evenings when we were all busy and the ball, the Balls range was everywhere. busy. There was loads of the really great vibe. Like the four of us coaching was just like, we, like cause it was like open plan, but also sectioned That's off. That's right, yeah. Um, that was a really good layout, actually. And it was just, it was just class. The energy was so good. Yeah. Um, and then did Pete Finch come as the fifth pro. Yeah, because I remember Finchie was working down in Shropshire or something. So he came up and we showed, I think I'd spoke, did I speak to him? Well, do you remember? I I'd spoke to no, him. No, you don't remember what happened? So Pete Stiles, who's the director of golf there, sat us down in the meeting maybe and said, oh, um, I've had a CV. Do you know this guy, this Pete Finch? Uh, and me and Carl looked at each other and went, yeah, we, we kind of know him, yeah. Don't do it, he's a Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah, we said, yeah, we know him. He's, you know, I think he'll be good. And he came up and got the job. And then there was five of us there. And again, the vibe was really yeah, good. Was good. And I think then, I mean, you never did YouTube at any of this point. No. So I used to, I used to watch you and I used to be thinking, what is he doing? And then, then Finch started. And then we both used to say, what is he doing? And we're like, what are you doing? And he used to go out around the back with his so camera. Fin Finch he used to walk out with his iPad around the back. <laughs> I did. No, Finchy. Oh, right. Yeah. And then I was like, What's he doing? And then one day, I was in there on my own. I was like, Go give us a try. So this is enough American Pie, this, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Walk around the back with my iPad. <laughs> Stole someone's stand. So at the, the, at the time, when I was starting to do it, because I probably started about 2012, 2013, when mm. you really started at Trafford. What were you, what was your thoughts then when I started doing YouTube? Well, I did. I was on your. We were on your first. Well, I was on very, your first very, vlog. Very, very first vlog. Was that Formby Hall? No, Royal Lytham. Royal Lytham. Was we, that the first we one? We went proper start. We went big yeah. back then. I'll never forget it. I missed a put on the last to win. How do we start Royal Lytham? I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to find this video now. <laughs> yeah, we, and we did. We did like a bunker challenge, and we did a putting challenge. That's right. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, that's crazy. I think my mindset at that time, and it was just from a purely. Just purely from a financial point of view, I was—I'd come from an assistant's role into a full-time coaching role, which was effectively doubling, sometimes tripling my wage, and didn't need, didn't in my mind then see another reason to do anything else. Yeah, that was purely my reason. But I mean, even when I, we started, or when I started doing this, what year was that? Twenty uh, December twenty thirteen. Wow, um, this wasn't for money. No, I know, I know, but it was, um, but at the time I was, was I single? Oh, I was single. <laughs> I'm looking at the video here. Have a look at the that. Classic. Oh, look at that. Still got that jumper. 
Mine doesn't fit. If you're watching the video version of this podcast, <laughs> we'll put some clips up now of this um But this if, video. Not, if not, just go onto YouTube and search Rick Shields and Andy Carter Royal Lytham. And it's, what, what date was it again? Uh, 2nd of December 2013, 22,000 views it's got as we uh, say. decent. Right. That is good. That beats some numbers that you I, look, I still get. <laughs> you look really young, Andy. Well, you both do, obviously, but you well, do. It was eight years ago. Oh, I was yeah. married then. How young do I look there? I, Were you I married, was married there? Yeah, 2013, I got married. March. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, for me, it was... I started it because I wanted to become busier as a golf coach. I mm. felt like there was more potential to get busier. And that definitely worked. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah you, were, you were full, full. It was, it was actually quite silly. And because... At Trafford, you get a lot of people from the local area. We don't get anyone outside of that local area. And I thought, there's got to be ways of attracting those in. And it definitely worked. And like I say, Pete started and got it going. So do you ever look back and go, I should have started then? Or A lot of people ask me this, because I always say that I started at a similar time to you guys, obviously a couple of years later. Well, your, your first video, sorry, your first video here is... 6th of Feb 2013, so eight months before oh. you guys went and played. Not your first video, Rick, but you, you were still You had a channel, bits. an active channel. And you had videos point, yeah. of a lot of your coaching stuff. And it feels like your first real kind of coaching video that wasn't for a client was probably more like 14, 15, yeah. Was it? But you were doing you were doing YouTube well. I had like, a YouTube, yeah. You were doing it, you were putting stuff on I just didn't want to put myself on the camera for Maybe. two years. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people do say to me, do you not wish you'd have followed through with it. And the only thing I could say is, yes, in one respect, but no, really, because if I if I really wanted to passionately do it three days a week, treat it as a treat it as a business and a and a I would have done. Mm. Simple as that. Um I enjoy doing the videos. Sometimes when I've had a little bit of a break, I know you guys hammer me for just having like you've not put anything on for like six weeks. And then as soon as I put a video on, I actually do get a really good buzz off watching the video, watching its numbers, and then reading comments and replying to comments. I do get a really good buzz off it. And then sometimes I just get into a bit of a, not a lull, but I just kind of, I let I let one day slide. I say, I'm going to do a video tomorrow. I'll let that slide. And then before you know it, it's two or three days. And then before you know it, it's a week. And then that's it. You know what it sounds like going to the gym? You go for a few yeah, weeks, yeah. you feel boss. Yeah. Next thing you go, oh, I'm going to skip tonight. Then it's two nights and it's been six weeks. You're not going to go in the gym. I've only really, but actually looking at the actual videos, if I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. I would always say June to about this time in the last four years of when I produced, re- released the least amount of videos. And it is because in Dubai, it's stupidly hot. Now, Obviously, I know it's going oh, to be hot. Oh, you. Wait, wait, wait. wait oh, you're having perfect golf courses. I could courses. drive my Lamborghini around Dubai. <laughs> and bloody perfect weather conditions. And I know. How about I mean, us? We're bloody in Manchester. This is, so this is the thing. I knew this was coming. I, kn- I knew I shouldn't have said that. But it's not as if it's a surprise to me. Can we put violin music on, on top of this? <laughs> it's, not, it's not a surprise to me that the weather is too hot. Yes. But I do get to a point where I go, oh, shit, I've... Not got enough content, and it's fifty-five degrees outside. That's a bit mad. Though. Question then: When you do upload, then because you've got you've only got thirty-six thousand subscribers, which is not to be sniffed at. It's a decent following, obviously, on YouTube. Is it kind of that you either just? Oh, it could be for several reasons, but I suppose which of these would you say is most? It's kind of because you enjoy it, or do you feel like you've got an audience sat there who you feel obliged to be delivering content for? No, I don't. Or is it to get more people having lessons, or what? 
I don't feel obliged. I I enjoy doing it. So I genuinely do enjoy just being out there, more so on my own, and just chatting away to the camera. And I get home and I'm like, bloody, I've baffled there. Let's cut that down. I think one of the things that actually used to put me off a lot was seeing Pete and Rick really grow and then going off to like the golf show in America and standing there on a range, just jumping in and start chatting to somebody and making a video out of it with 20 people watching. I used to look at that and go, if that's what you have to do, that's not me. I can't do that. That's interesting. I'm, I'm useless at stuff like that. I'm actually better at just being on a bit of a, a course vlog with my mates. or And that's really as well how it kind of kept it going. Cause I just wanted to play, to play golf with my mates. And also I enjoy just standing there in front of the camera doing, a, doing some tips. Don't really enjoy the editing. I get quite bored quite quickly. So now I've found a way, I think, sometimes obviously, where I'll do a little bit and I'll come back to it the next day. Do a little bit again, come back to it the next day. And that's the only way I've got to try and... I think I'm still trying to find a way to keep releasing content but keep myself going. Do you have, like... Sorry, do you have, like, goals and ambitions then for the channel as such? Or you just kind of... No, I do, to be fair. So this this year, I've said to myself, I would love... Uh, for a first milestone, I'd love it to get to 50,000. Yeah. I'd love it to get to 50,000. I think when I see that as well... Uh, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna do this anyway, but I'll just keep I'll just keep doing content. But I'm finding the content that I like filming. What What do you enjoy filming the most? So I enjoy filming. I love filming course vlogs and challenges, stuff like that. Um, I enjoy doing golf tips, but I'd like to do the golf tips purely based around what I coach. So I think it gets a little bit too generic. Mm-hmm. So just to say, turn your slice into a draw. I mean, who does that? No one does that. Um, turn your let's turn your slice into a, a mini slice and get around a golf course and play better. That's what I do on a day to day basis. I don't yep. promise the guy that he's going to leave with a ten yard draw after a forty five minute one to one lesson, mm-hmm. but In then 55. release a, but then release a six minute video saying you can do the same thing. It's just not going to happen. So that's fair. Just doing and actually, obviously now we're under the Pete Cowan umbrella. Learn we have load we have three or four seminars a year or something like one to ones with him per year. Just quickly. Very quick summary of Pete Cowan. Like, like so for somebody listening who doesn't know who he is, um, re- top guy, really, really good guy, generous guy. He literally spent about forty-five minutes with me in January to give me a full-on golf lesson. After but but even then, tip. so As Pete a, Cowan is he's the, arguably the number one golf coach yeah. in the world. He's been, a, he's yeah, he probably is the number one golf coach in the world. There, Him, he's up there with Butch Harmon, isn't he? Five that you would put in that category. So like Sean Foley, mm-hmm. Butch Harbin, Claude Harbin, Ledbetter, um, Pete Cowan. I wouldn't put Claude Harmon in there. Oh wow, controversial. There's a clip. Would you? Well, yeah, of course he does. He teaches Brooks and DJ. or didn't teach Brooks. Doesn't teach Brooks. Did do. Who teaches Brooks? Pete Cowan. Because <laughs> <laughs> somebody's I'm got. Looking, I'm looking forward to it. To be fair, I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> get that, get that umbrella up. He's proper under the umbrella. The Pete Cowan. No, I'm, I, I I'm like actually Pete. looking forward to this winter because he brings his players down. Great. So, so I who, who's what, he got in his stable right now? Rory, McIlroy, McIlroy, not Sabatini. <laughs> could have. He could have. <laughs> um, Depends what country he wants to play for. Stenson. We, when, so when he comes down, we've got Stenson, Poulter. We'll have Rory. Brooks came down last. Brooks, I've got a foot. Brooks came down last year, and I'm teaching seven beginner ladies. We're talking group class, week two in, yep. barely know how to hold a golf club. Wow. And literally, at the end of the mat, 
no more than 20 yards away. I mean, these, there's a couple of toe balls going near him, to be fair. Brooks is trying out the new Callaway driver. And oh, just my stood there goodness. Going, literally. Did, did they know who he was and if they were so new to golf? Or? No. 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 Oh, my <laughs> word. No. Did you let him know or they not? I tried to explain, and it's like, they just went, oh. That guy over there is really probably, good at golf. They're not really, the they're not really, they weren't really invested in the golf, in golf, so they weren't really that bothered. I mean, at the time, he, if he wasn't the number one player in the world, he was number two or three, wasn't he? He'd have been right up there. Yeah, he was. I think he was one or two at the time. So, so Brooks. So, who else? Brooks, Porter, Stenson, Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Um, was it Molinari as well? Or was Molinari? No, Molinari no, that was, was uh, Dennis Pugh. Pugh. Oh, that's the one. Yeah. Um, Sean Foley's a really good guy. He comes down to the academy a lot. So again, famously, over. Sean Foley you did coach Tiger for a while. Yep. Now he's with Justin Rose. Justin Rose, Danny Willett, Cameron Lydia Coe, Cameron Champ. Uh, Minji Lee, quite a few. Yeah. Is that quite a route you want to go down more then? Obviously, if you're so close to Pete Cow and you see him with these superstars, is that... Um, no, it's not, to be honest. So again, just going back, to, you coach at his golf academy yes. in Dubai. Yeah. So yeah. is it called the Pete Cowan Pete, Golf Pete Academy? Pete Cowan Golf Academy in Dubai. So you coach at there. So yes. on your jumper, on your... You don't wear jumpers in Dubai. On your T-shirt... <laughs> on my vest. It says, <laughs> Andy Carter, PJ Golf Pro... Pete Cowan Golf Academy. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know where we're going with this story. It was a, it was a case of... You what content the, does he enjoy? Yeah, the content you enjoy, yeah. the milestones you want to hit, etc. So, yeah. So, in term, from the YouTube perspective, it's purely just about putting out content content there that I... Same as what I coach. And I actually get now a lot more inspiration from the lessons that I give. So, I'll do a lesson and I'll go, well, actually, that drill really w- worked really well for that guy. I'm going to take that onto a video. Mm-hmm. I did one recently just about li- lifting your... Big toe up, yeah, because it keeps your weight off your toes, which stops people getting steep, slicing, etc. It just pushes the weight back to the heel, got everything a bit flatter. So, just using little, t- like using the the coaching to make the golf tips more relevant. It's yeah, it's based on reality. It's based on pure reality, because yeah. I'm I'm still fifty hour a week golf coach. So, so then you have to find time mm-hmm. between the fifty hours a week coaching mm-hmm. between the. F- <laughs> what I'm waiting for you. I don't know no, that the the you know your girlfriend. Yeah. Playing football, training. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Dubai brunches. Dubai lifestyle. Dubai lifestyle, which is obviously there's lots to do. It can corrupt you. You've got to try and squeeze in this these coaching videos or or YouTube videos as a whole. Yeah. And again, it's not. I know we've discussed this off the podcast. It's not your big money maker. No. Nope. And it's probably not bringing you in many clients is it in Dubai that's the thing it doesn't bring it did a, a point in in England at Trafford at Trafford yeah. it did because when I was and it was one of those things as well when they couldn't get in with you they would say oh who do you want to go to next it'll be it'll be me or Pete because yeah. that would be the next known person yeah. at that facility so I would obviously then you'd get clients from there but in Dubai you in Dubai you don't really no one they probably do, I suppose. But a few expats. It's, it's just not as it's just not the population is not as dense. For mm-hmm. we, my my clientele is the guys that just live on the golf course, and, and there's about seven hundred house seven hundred houses on there. And are they more tourists or are they residents? All residents. Are they really? Yeah. All, wow. res- all residents, all expats. So take it around there. Then word of mouth is as powerful as having a good YouTube word channel. Of, word of mouth is way more powerful yeah. than a YouTube channel. Word of mouth, like these are this is a golf this is a golf club membership. Majority of golfers that you teach are members of the golf club. Yeah, that's so, interesting. Because our golf club is a little tiny bit out, 
Where is it again? Jumeirah Golf Estates. Where they have so the DP World where Championship. They, where they the DP World Tour Championship. Which end is the, the end of the year tournament yep. where the, the race to Dubai is, is settled. Correct. Correct. So what do you so think you'll take? Oh, on, sorry. I was going to say, we're a little bit out of town. You've got a couple of golf courses nearby and that's your clientele. But there are probably, within the two golf courses, there are probably 1,500 houses. Yeah. So between 10 golf coaches. 150 students. That's a lot of people. Do you think then in terms of what you're doing now, obviously with, like you said, Rick said, work, girlfriend, life, family, etc. What would it take for the YouTube to take more of a priority? Do you think it never will? It's, you're kind of happy with where it is. It's just probably just a, it's more of a, it's just more of a personal decision, isn't it? It'd be, it'd be a complete lie to say I don't have time mm-hmm. to make three tip videos a week. I probably couldn't do three course vlogs a week. Yeah. But I could do three tip videos a week. So that's coming. 2021, 2022. Subscribe. Have, I, um, have I heard this story I, before? No. I've heard this in 15, 16, <laughs> 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, and then you're going to go with 22. Right. I've, I've never said it in public. Okay, okay. This is your time. Down how, that how camera many, there. How, how, <laughs> many, how many people listen to this? Uh, 10. About 100,000. That's 10 people. This episode, <laughs> 100,000. Roughly. Between the two platforms. To be fair, they could get me to my target straight like, away. He's like sweating now. He's <laughs> <laughs> like that, that, that like? <laughs> I'm going to start stuttering now. <laughs> Tell them what you're going to do. Tell them why they should subscribe. For the remainder of 2021 and, 20, and the whole of 2022. <laughs> <laughs> you should have told me that number. I'm used to talking to like 50 people. <laughs> 2021, 2022, three videos a week without a week being missed. Starting... From next week. I've got to get I'm back sorry. there. I've got to get back there first. Tip videos, current coaching philosophies. And this isn't this nonsense of fixtures lights in five minutes. This is real no, peak count inspired stuff. Yeah. This, is pro- <laughs> this is actual golf tips. For in, inspired by real life situations and inspired and motivated and powered by one of the greatest golf coaches in the world, Pete Cowan. Delivered by a genuine scratch handicap golfer. Who... Out of everybody in our little kind of YouTube bubble, has done the best at open qualifying. That's true. Oh, let's talk about that then. Yeah, that's true. Because you're the only one that's actually got it through regional. (laughs) 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 Let's not bring this up again. Yeah. But no, what? So I'm a proper player guy. (laughs) I'm saying absolutely nothing. (laughs) I must admit, and we joke in our little chat, and sometimes I get questions asked about who's the best golfer. Is it you, Pete, Matt, uh, Carter? I'm not blowing smoke up your ass now, but I do actually think you're probably the best. I've yeah. said Carter before as well. Yeah. I, I feel like your game is more rounded. And you live in Dubai where you've got unlimited access to Yeah, that, golf that's courses. the real reason. That, <laughs> that's not the reason. You guys play more than me. Rick plays a lot. Loads. Yeah, Rick play plays a lot. I play too much, actually. That, that's my downside. I play too much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but genuinely, you, you, I think you've got I, possibly the most talent. Matt Fry will argue, and Pete will argue, I'm sure. But I think genuinely, I mean, we're going to find out tomorrow when we're playing again. But I think you've got, from even knowing you from 16, probably over the years, have to have the most potential to be pretty good. I would, well, my golf swing since I was 16 literally has not changed. It's just modified and changed a little bit as I've got older. But I've always just been... I feel like now, in particular, I'm just able to get it round. I don't, I, don't, I don't have a swing thought. I just hit it. You can't put, can you? 
I can put no, you can't unbelievable put. a point. You, t- you were terrible last time I saw mm. you. That was two years ago. You were terrible. That was two years ago, my, Richard. Have you still got my Odyssey? No, the face fell out. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was so far away every time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, but what year was it when Set you got... tomorrow, Rick, if you want. You two are playing. I what? don't see why it's got me settled. Over a friendly 9-0 match. I, I want to be on Carter's team. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to say, what... Um, what year was it when you got through regional? Oh, Rick. Um, I think it was, about it was the, six years ago, wasn't it? I think it was the year before I got my hole in one at West Lanks. Yeah, it was because I shot about eight over the year after. I, I literally went into the regionals that year thinking I was going to qualify. Just oh, that, that's how Rick measures time, by the way. It's <laughs> yeah. everything. Based so my first child one. was born two years before my hole in one at West Lanks. <laughs> pre HOI. How old are you today, Rick, on your birthday? <laughs> I'm five years older than my hole in one at West Lanks. <laughs> HIO. It's before HIO or after HIO. Um, no, I don't think it was 16, actually. I think it was 15. Because you did it at West Lanks. It's on YouTube. The same day... My whole qualifying is on YouTube. The same day I did it at... Because I wasn't at the same golf course as you when you did it. I was at Fairhaven. That's right. Yeah, good memory. So it must have been 15, I think. The one here that you've got to part on is 16. I don't know if it's the right one where you got through. Rick's liked it, which is nice support from a mate. Let me see. Account. Yeah. Well done, Andy. So happy for you qualified. Can't wait to follow your progress from I said it was 16. From Rick Shields. It was 16, yeah. So, yeah. So 16. Five years ago. It's last time shot, I shot under par. Was that one under par? <laughs> one under, yeah. You got through to final qualifying, which was where? That was, oh, I got I screwed on that. That was Glasgow Gales. Oh, really? I was hoping for, I think it was Hillside. Yes. I, think I, was, hoping, was, yeah. I was hoping for Hillside. Got Glasgow Gales. And to be fair, it's a pretty, it a pretty amazing experience. But I'm quite realistic in the fact I got up there and I was out of my depth. I mean, you look through the draw sheet. And my first, I went for a practice round on my own that morning. And I was playing about. I was playing behind Colin Montgomery. Oh my word! Wow! I was like, "Oh, what am I doing here?" So I've blagged this in final no, qualifying. Realistically, you got to be shooting ten under for two rounds of golf. Three under, got him. no way. Yep, because of the conditions. Because that was the year that it was at Troon, and Monty opened up the tournament with the first tee shot. And it was like this historic, oh, Monty's return back to Troon. But I knew the story because he just about scraped it as well. So he, all, he he got through through final qualifying? In third. And only because the guy, he was coming fourth. And then I swear, I don't know what happened, but as I'm walking off 18, finding out the scores, guy two groups behind me is four under. So he's in. Monty's three under and in the clubhouse waiting. And um, this, this, I can only describe it as the rain that came down was... Biblical. It was ridiculous. Like to the point where it would break your umbrella. And wow. I thought this poor lad's out there, he finished double double. Oh. And I think double double or double bogey. And so then the Monty, Monty got in. The Scottish weather. Wanted Monty to hit the first tee shot at Royal Troon. Yeah, it's just weird how that happens like that. Can you remember um so that was the best golf you played for a while, I would say. I know who you're gonna go on. And to. you know, you got through the first stage of open qualifying. Can you remember what driver and three would you had in the bag at that time, Andy? We did a video that's on my main channel. What's in the bag of your clubs that you use for final qualifying? Oh, final qualifying. I've got because we played the, for content. We played the day never. We played the day before we final played, qualifying. Played Marriott, yeah, yeah, yeah we great did. practice around that. I've just got because if you played so well, I feel like someone really sound probably sorted you out because I'm guessing you got them for free. You drive them free, you would. No, I think I paid for them. 
the one of the uh, the rep was right tight. No, no, you actually got a free Nike driver in three wood that I sorted for you actually. And Did you, I? Yeah. No, I remember the blue one, driver and free one. I know, I remember the three. I don't you remember the driver. You even got it both in the bag and you didn't pay for them. I got them I got them for you, sorted. Thanks, mate. So, paid for a did, you get any, did you get any prize money for getting through? Mm, about 300 quid, isn't it? 10%, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, before we come on to the rest of the stories, then, one of the features, you've admitted you've never listened to the podcast before, Andy, so thanks for the support. But listen, one to on, the, listen to it on the way down here, a bit of homework. Last all, all 92 episodes. <laughs> I, did, I, did, I actually listened to the one where you were slagging off. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. My mate. Rick, I oh, was like, off. <laughs> which one? <laughs> so you listen to them all. I've listened to them all. <laughs> Um, so one of the features we do most weeks, every week, we've had a couple of weeks off, is Dear Rick. So okay. a listener, could be a question about anything, could be personal life, typically golf, but we're open, we're all ears here. And when we have a guest on and we do a Dear Rick, we also want the guest's advice as well. So I'm going to ask this question to Rick. Rick can ruminate and debate and give us an answer. And then you can articulately come in the back of it and give us some real good nuggets of information. So the first one goes to a guy who I'm not going to name. I was about to say his name then. It's anonymous. Uh, I booked onto a few golf trips throughout September and October this year. I'm fairly new into golf, been playing just over a year. Most of the trips I'm going with are friends who are a similar level. Uh, I'm 20, 20 handicap and they're about a couple a bit lower than me, a couple a bit higher than me, but they're thereabouts. 
However, one trip I'm going on is with friends who are kind of friends of a friend and a few older guys at the, um, who were members of the golf club and they're all single figure players. We played some unbelievable course in Scotland, which is completely different to my kind of golf I play at home. He's a member of a Parkland course. I was late, late addition to this trip and due to some dropouts. And of all the people going, I'm the worst player. There's a couple of guys of 14 or 15 and one of four, and obviously he's of 21. I'm a bit concerned. I don't want people to feel as though they've been lumped with me. Uh, it would be random tea time, so I won't play with the guys I necessarily know very well. Have you got any advice for this type of game I should play just to get some um, decent rounds in that respectable scores and not embarrass myself? I'll take this one first. As somebody who's used to being the worst player in a a group, I can relate. Um, First off, I think of 20, I don't see... I wouldn't have any issue playing with a 20 handicapper. I wouldn't have an issue playing with anybody. But I think at 20, you're likely to shoot it in low 90s, typically. So for me, as long as you're a nice person, you are courteous of others... You are conscious about speed of play, so you don't put your bag in the wrong place. You put it in the right place. Maybe format. I mean, I would, I wouldn't mind you as a partner. Mm. So if certainly if if there's a group of good players, and you're maybe a bit of a ringer of twenty, some some golfs off twenty have the capability of throwing in a few pars every now and again. Sure. Net birdies. To have you as a playing partner would actually probably be quite the dream. So so I'd almost. Try and switch it. Don't worry. Don't think you're going to be the hindrance in the group. Feel like you're almost going to be the secret weapon. And I think as long as you play a format that's friendly, whether it's match play, um, if the guys are are absolutely adamant on playing stroke play, why not just play Stableford? So if you do have more than a double bogey, you can just pick it up and go, hey, lads, I'm going to, I'm going to pick it up on this hole because I don't want to hold anyone up or whatever it may be. But I think at 20, realistically, I don't think you're going to be a hindrance at all. What'd you say, Andy? I have literally just come off a golf trip, which is exactly the same. So I You were the worst golfer. Yeah. Group. That's me. That was me. <laughs> close. Close to be fair. Um I took twelve clients to Cyprus uh, last month and every player bar one was eleven handicap and below. And then one of the lads was off twenty one. And every day we played like a an individual like a individual stableford for like an order of merit of the week. And there was guys there off two or three handicap shooting 12, 14 points. Because when you go on a bit of a golf trip, you have a few drinks and everyone reacts differently the next day. But also, within every group, we played double stable, we had played like a doubles stableford, or sorry, doubles match play. So the other 20 handicapper is the secret weapon. He's just, if he pops in with a couple of par net birdies, and then has a, has, then has a couple of nightmares in there, we all do, and then a couple of bogey net pars, you'd find yourself winning. So I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. Spin the spin the fact you're a 20 handicapper the opposite way around and think of yourself as the as the anchor, the secret weapon. But also then play to your own strengths. I remember I remember Sleepy that came on this trip. He was struggling off the tee. <laughs> the seven dwarfs. <laughs> He's called Sleepy. He's um, called Sleepy. He's probably listening to this podcast. He was angry as well, listening to playing. <laughs> what was Sleepy? Was he sleepy in bed at 7 p.m. every night? That's his surname. Well, Sleep. Oh. I'll take your back then. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. Sorry, Mr. Sleep. Um, so, what was I saying then? So, he was struggling a little bit off the tee and then just went down to an iron, hit a few irons. Almost, I just kind of said to him, break every single par four up into a par five, mm-hmm. even a par six. Like, if you're making net bogeys, you're still going to be maybe half in a hole or maybe sneaking a win anyway. So, 
when you see a 400-yard par 4, think of it as a poor 400-yard par 5. And it's a completely different hold, completely different mindset. So you think, use it to your strength. Do you think as well? Uh, well, yeah, and that, that good advice from, from both of you. Do you think as well, though, like, so many golfers worry about ability, which is natural. We all yeah. probably want to be better or might feel... You know, if you two went out and played joke side with Ian Poulter and Matt Fitzpatrick now, you might feel a bit like, oh, I don't want to look stupid or whatever. Mm. But actually, there's so much more to being a nice, good playing partner than your ability. You can play with a guy or a woman, whatever, who's off 20, 24, who might not be the best ability, but are nice to chat to, uh, you know, respectful, don't talk over your shot, repair the divots, repair the pitch marks, whereas a guy off scratch could be a right, yeah. whatever. Might be a great golfer, but just not very nice. So it's yeah, not just yeah. about how good you are, is it? There's more to being a nice person to play golf with than your ability. You're spending four, minimum four hours on a golf course with somebody. And like I say, you do want to spend time with people that you get on mm. with and you like. And like I say, if, if you have good conversations and you, you know, you, you're pleasant, that carries a lot more weight than the ability of your golf game. The, ex- the experience will always outweigh the quality of the golf. That's very true. The experience of the four hours, will be like, I enjoyed that. Good laugh. Yeah. And you go at the end, oh, I enjoyed that. Well played. Oh, I didn't play very well. Oh, it's, but it's a good day. Yeah. Like, that's the main thing. I think I see a lot of higher handicappers naturally are so worried about how they play and stuff yeah. like that and how they appear. But most people aren't bothered, are they? No. Nope. Uh, do you want one more of these? Yeah, ever roll? So I've got another one. If you want yours read out next week or the week after, whatever, send us an email, podcast at rickshields.com. We've had loads of clickbait titles, by the way. Do you remember last time I said that's how to get read out? And it, it does kind of work. What's this one? This one just looks just Dear Rick, though. Oh. So that's what I do, though. So sometimes I go for the clickbait ones and other times to spice things up. I go for ones that are quite plain and just tell it as it is. This one, again, is from Anonymous. Um, again, really keen to hear both of your thoughts on this. I was wondering what Rick would recommend me doing in terms of fitting. I'm a 13 handicap player looking for my first club fitting. Should I start with irons, driver, wedges, in, in any particular order? What is the most important? My goal is to get down to single figures, so obviously drop a few shots. My current club's about five years old, um, blah, blah, blah. I'm on a budget and obviously can't get fitted for every club all at once. Uh, my custom fitter is located a five-hour drive from my golf course. So I need to do the fitting. This is, I think, they're from, from Norway. Sorry, I missed that bit out. I need to do the fitting um, that has the biggest impact on my game. What do you guys think? So let's picture the bag. You've got putter, wedges, irons, maybe three-wood, five-wood hybrid, and a driver. They're going for one fitting now and then obviously hopefully more down the line. What would you say would be the most? And it's hard to say without knowing the game, I guess, but generically, generally, what would you say, Rick? Hmm. I feel like I've answered this question before, so I need to remember what my answer was. <laughs> um, I'd probably rule out putter, mm-hmm. unless it was ridiculously wrong for him. I'd probably rule out the putter. Um, the thing is with custom fitting, we spoke about it a lot, there is the generic custom fitting, the right shaft, uh, shaft length, grip size, lie angle, that's the kind of generic. And with the driver, the right loft and everything else, flex of shaft. But also, and you've alluded to a lot with your kind of history of fitting. Fitting is very holistic across the the whole bag as well because if it's a tough one, certainly when on a budget, that if you're going to go with iron fitting and only irons, how do you know where the iron set stops? For yes. example, how do you know that you might want a three iron or a four iron or would you be moving those into hybrids? Where do you know where your wedge is going to stop? Would you go for a standard wedge out of a set of irons or would you actually go for more a specialised wedge from, you know, a different brand? So I think just to answer the question in whole, probably the club that is the easiest one-off club to fit would probably be driver. Mm -hmm. Whether it make the biggest difference, arguably I'm not sure it would, 
ideally you want it all doing and possibly irons would make the actual biggest impact because you're hitting irons a lot during a round of golf but i think on this situation just because you've got to do it in a in a way that has to suit your budget and your game i mean i can't believe a fitter is five hours away that's a real shame but norway's uh, must be a lot of land um I, i'd probably go driver mm-hmm. i'm not sure that's the correct technical answer but i think for his situation i think that would probably make more sense what are you saying andy um i would say depends on his standard of golf but i would always say driver's literally got to be the most important club in the bag for most golfers so being able to get off the tee means you can then use your eyes everyone i think like you could you could you can kind of wing a set of irons it could be slightly wrong for you but you could you can get around i don't think you can get around with a drive as much you can't get around as with a driver yeah, I could pick. In fact, if you think about a set of clubs that's five years old, the technology in the irons, you'll know more than this because you do all the reviews, will have not enhanced as much as what the driver would have enhanced. So the driver could get you 20 more yards, for example. I think also not only yardage, but accuracy, because you accuracy. mentioned this weekend you were up in Scotland with Pete. Oh, and you And Pete sorted you out with some clubs, mm-hmm. which disappoints me a little bit because I was hoping you would come round to my empire of golf clubs to p- take a pick and um you got on with everything right bar the driver yeah because the driver just wasn't fitted for you but yeah. you could have played with any irons yeah. you could have played with any wedges any putter um but your driver was the thing that you'd want to take out the bag straight away i struggled that much with the driver i went around trim with a one iron you know oh, that one iron is. i've got yeah oh, <laughs> oh that one iron i'm my, t- I'm my old title is pt oh naughty yeah I'm interested to see what you think because obviously you're, you're the from the world of fitting. Mm. I know it's a, a while ago now. Yeah, I think it, it, obviously again it depends on the golfer. Um, there's a there's a thing you hear a lot though, don't you? About like you said, drivers are an important bag, uh, club in the bag, and I wouldn't necessarily disagree. But then you see people say, well, you use your driver 12 times around, you use mm. your putter 36 potentially, but it, it's a difficult one. I think irons you do hit a lot. I had a set of irons once that were two degrees upright, and I need standard, and I couldn't hit the fur, I couldn't hit the green. Everything's going left to uprights. That made a difference. But yeah, it's it is a tough one. Um, the only thing again, we've said this before so much, and again, saying this with a pinch of salt, again, a little bit of devil's advocate, but don't expect because you want to get fitted clubs, you're suddenly going to get better because mm. it, it, unless your current clubs, like I said, mine were upright when they didn't need to be, are drastically wrong, it might not actually make that much difference. It might do, but it's it's not. I think some people do still believe that when I'm going for a fitting, that's going to suddenly make you drop four shots, and it won't. Going for one of you guys for a lesson would make more difference if you're going to commit to the practice as well. This is why I say that about the irons, because the irons that Pete gave me in Scotland were standard length. I think he's two degrees flat, he said. I'm half an inch longer and two degrees upright. Yeah. But you could still you could still hit them. You can I think still that's because you're talented. Yeah. Could. Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like you could still, you could, you'll find a shot that, okay, I keep hitting these left. Mm-hmm. You'll eventually start aiming a bit more right. As long as you can get club on ball with an iron, you're not missing the middle by too much. Whereas with a driver, I don't feel like you'd be as as forgiving. Do you do any fittings in Dubai? I don't know. Is there a fitting facility there's, there's on site? A, we've, got, we've got a tightless fitting facility on site, yes. You know, the answer I actually would give to that, it's a really silly one, but probably what, I, I would say get the clubs fitted that you want the most because the ones that you want the most will make you go and play more golf, and that will actually probably what gets you better at golf. So if you want a new set of irons or you want a new driver, get that. Get that, yeah. yeah. And what, what's pl- frustrating you most yeah. with your current yeah. setup, to be honest? That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Lots of answers there. Mr. Anonymous in Norway. Yeah, so get some, we'll get some more of those in next week if you've got a question, big or small. Unfortunately, next week, Carter won't be here, but we Sorry, can always guys. text you or message yeah, you. Yeah, just drop me a message. Having said that, it might be on 50,000 subscribers by then and stop speaking to Rick, so... 
probably have disowned him. I must admit, that's one thing you're... That's what Rick did to me. He started getting plaques through the post. He got that gold plaque. He deleted you. It was weeks on that day that got that plaque. He literally went on his phone, deleted your number. <laughs> I must admit something you, uh, privately, you get not probably enough credit for. You're like, in a lot of friend groups, the glue mm. that keeps friends together. Wow. I'm I'm on the rounds this week, seeing people I've not seen for like two or three years. But you just gotta keep you gotta, gotta keep the mates close, you know. Mm, do you see what, <laughs> no, I, see what I mean? Yeah, gets a plaque. <laughs> You're doing well. Um, no, but you you Thanks. do like. I mean, I dread to think how many how many WhatsApp groups you're in. It must yeah, be outrageous. It's, it's, it's frustrating. They're all on mute. Because you have a lot of pockets of except, friends, and except stuff. the idiots abroad. Obviously. They're all on mute. That's our. That's our. Yeah, um, I've seen that pop up. But what's weird though, it's only you abroad. <laughs> the idiots abroad. So I'm trying to tell you something there, Andy. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, good stuff. So we're playing golf tomorrow. We're playing golf tomorrow. Looking forward to it. And then Very you're back excited. to Dubai on Friday. I'm going practice today, actually. Quick one then. Bit deep, but in Ooh. two years' time, mm-hmm. we have this conversation again. Where Andy, where would you like to see Andy Carter? Subscribers, business, what you think? I mean, it's all about subscribers. You know, YouTube isn't your main thing, but realistically, um, I don't answer. Business-wise, I would. Oh, let's just say, business-wise, I've been, I've hopefully be in a different situation. YouTube-wise, I'd like to think two years' time. Mm-hmm. Over a hundred thousand, I think that's doable. Yeah, it should be. Should I know? I know. Rick was going to say that it should be six months. <laughs> not been funny. You've had for the eight years. <laughs> it's not been six months. Yeah. <laughs> so another eight years, we're on seventy-five. <laughs> um, okay, so potentially something exciting in the business, mm-hmm. and you're still interested in keeping the golf. Do you think you'll? And it sounds def- and probably even deep question. I don't want you to give too much away, but do you think you'll always stay in golf in Dubai? Do you think you'll always stay in golf? I think I'll always stay in golf. I think there is a um, an expiry date on coaching, purely because of the um, amount of hours, and it's bloody knackering. Yeah, you know, I know, I know, I know everyone works forty, fifty hours a week, and but I feel like it's a it's so mentally draining to coach because you're every every hour you have got to give one hundred percent to that guy. Because he's paying you money, you've got to give him or girl, you've got to give him absolutely one hundred percent, and it and every hour gives a different, um, what's the word? A different. There's a different fault with every hour. I've got to fix something different. It's not just like oh, everyone's got a slice. Yeah, it's everyone's completely different. Well, Rick said this. You said to me before, and it makes it's like a performance, isn't it? Yeah, Someone's it paying for your time. You can't walk in and be like, oh, fuck, I've a headache today. Like, yeah. You've got to go in and be like, hi, Rob, how you getting yeah. on? How's your golf getting on? How the family? Yeah. Like. You've got to be full beans, haven't You've you? You've got to be on. And that's why I think I used to love our Thursday night coaching sessions at, at Trafford. Because we used to go for a beer and a curry after. Yeah, that's right. But like, <laughs> not only, I wasn't looking forward just to that. But <laughs> like, when the energy is high, mm, yeah. like you're in a studio, there's four, it was buzzing, there was yeah. balls outside. Like, it was, pr- and and this is at like nine, ten o'clock at night. And I've been coaching for 12 hours already, being full on all the way through. But those last few hours, because the energy level r- rose mm. up, you just felt like you were giving your best performance. Yeah. So I think when somebody comes in for a lesson, y- they're in your theatre. And you've got to you've got to not only encourage them, give them advice, um, be able to diagnose actions, be a businessman in that hour as well, because obviously you, you're looking to grow your business and expand that. And, and between that lesson and the very next lesson... There's no break. 
You got to yeah. go straight into it. Roll straight in, um, and it like gives credit to like someone like Matt Fryer's dad, like Adrian Fryer. I mean, he's mm. doing it f- for so many years, and he still has so much passion, so much energy for it. And probably a bit like Pete Cowan, obviously different situation now because he's out on tour and he's yeah. quite a chill guy anyway. Isn't he, yeah, from he's Marseille. very chill. Yeah, but I think That's coaching certainly people who go for coaching, they would be disappointed if they went to a coach that just sat there and went, all right. Oh yeah, there's, yeah. They couldn't yeah, imagine, couldn't imagine anything worse. Same going to any any business. If the if the person that you're going to give money to just shows very little interest, then the experience is horrible. But yeah, I remember we remember used to say that last lesson's got to be as good as the very first mm. lesson, and it is, it's, every lesson's got to be it's got to be the exact same. You've got to be like, oh, how you doing? Yeah, like yeah, you say, how's the family? How's this? And it's just a it's a in in Dubai we do, we do 45 minutes. So we get that little 15 minute break because it's 40 degrees, and we don't, obviously at Trapper used to sit, we had, a, we had a little desk to kind of sit behind and have a couple of minutes, always on our feet, and you've got such a, such a huge facility, we're going from chipping green down to pitching green to putting green onto the range, into Trapman Studio, so you just, it's a, it's a really good week, you never, re- it's a really good day, because you never really feel, I'm knackered now, I just want to go home. When you've got back-to-back lessons, you just get energised by everyone else that walks through the door, because they're happy to see you as well. Quick one then, just lastly on there, I know we're wrapping up, but do you still, I'm guessing you do, but do you still feel passionate as a golf coach to be learning and to improving? Or do you ever feel like you've done it for so long now that you're kind of like, just no. at a point? I got to a point at Trafford where I was a bit... Like stale almost, if that... Yeah, like, wasn't learning. Yeah. I feel like you need to learn something to keep it going. Cause we, we now, we have, because we know we have Pete there from November to January, we're always learning. He taught me some outrageous shots with some ridiculous grips. And I was like, I can't teach people that. Again, this going actually, back to Pete Cowan. But, yeah, but, sorry, that's Pete Cowan. Um, but I think if you're always learning something, or in work now we're bringing in the biomechanics studio and stuff like that, if there's something to kind of keep your juices flowing, you might never even use it that much, but just having the knowledge is so much better than just learning, oh, I need to do an end-to-out swing path, close the face, and hold the finish. What there's, do you, do any of the other golf pros in Dubai or people you've met in Dubai either pick your brains about YouTube? Do they think positively about YouTube? Are they negative towards towards it? Um, no, no one's negative. Everyone's a bit, it's a bit more like banterish. Oh, Andrew's got his camera out again. Mm. You know, those very rare occasions that I bring <laughs> it. <laughs> Take it to work every day. <laughs> <laughs> Backpack on. Do you? Got me, got me cameras in Just there. In case. Just in case. Just in case I want to blast out 10 videos. Just in case I get a free hour, you know, so busy. You've got this 15-minute window and you could smash loads out. No, I've got to get the, got to get the right setting. You'd have a shower in between those <laughs> yeah, windows. I've got to change my T-shirt. Um, cool. Well, all the best. I'm excited to see what the future holds. Thank you. You know what? This has been a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Oh, thank you. <laughs> what were you expecting? <laughs> <laughs> well, what was really well, funny, I text, tell I, us what you're expecting. I texted you last night and I went, what are you doing tomorrow afternoon? Because I knew we were going to do a podcast. And, um, and you said, yeah, I'm free. And I thought, better check with guy um guy we're out to have car on the podcast tomorrow and guys and guy went yeah that sounds good I'm, and i'm thinking oh crap what's he gonna talk about but <laughs> with, with, how long have we been going for harry one hour exactly wow. i think you can say that because you and car are such good friends i think if that was a, a no, I'm, normal offended. Guest. I'm, I'm offended by that i'm gonna beat you by even more shots tomorrow God, don't be nice. so don't be like this i will no, that was good. I, I think, um, last question then. This is a very, very, you might have an answer for this. I just thought of this. It's stupidly broad, stupidly vague, but let's see what we can get. Go. Most people listening to our podcast clearly play golf. Mm-hmm. Some different levels, some good, some not so good, some whatever. I think most people want to get a bit better. Yep. 
What would be your one piece of advice that could work for a scratch handicapper and a 45 handicapper to get better at golf? Is there is the one piece that could work for everybody? 45 handicapper. Well, any any hand, <laughs> just a generic piece of advice. It's very I'm off the cuff here. It's just one sentence or whatever, but so almost because we touched on it with coaching, almost just keep learning. A scratch handicapper is not is not completed golf. Mm-hmm. Keep learning. There's something that you can get better at. 45 well, higher handicapper, let's say 20 and above or 15 and above. Even start looking into some very vague stats just to go fairways, greens, putts, and just start trying to improve one area. And then use your stats, improve one area at a time, and before you know it, the handicap just comes tumbling down. But also, you need, I think, as a golf coach, I'm going to say this, but you need the help of a golf coach. You need the help of, because we, we never look at something correctly through our own eyes. I can't, I can't change my golf swing. I can't look at my golf swing and pick out the right point to improve my golf swing. I forgot, I used to teach you, didn't I, for a bit? Yeah, yeah. I used to send Rick videos. Stop doing that quite quick. Uh, <laughs> when I started charging him. Rick was just like, you're lifting your head up. <laughs> he did, to be fair. Uh, but like, I could never look at my golf swing and think, I need to change that. Because I look at my golf swing and think, I need to change that, 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 that. And it's that. almost too much. Way too much. Yeah. And, I, and it's probably always, the, and nine out of ten times, it's the wrong thing. And I think you're always, when you're analysing your own swing, you're always a bit biased to yeah. old traits. Yeah. Like, that you believe is an issue from ah. years ago. You know I am I mean? always, I am always, always on takeaway when I look at my own golf swing because it's always a little bit steep and a little bit closed. Yeah, it's quite funky actually. And then I get a little bit open at the top and it winds me up. So I actually fixed it. I'd love to be steep and closed. <laughs> I, I, I fixed it and just had the most outrageous hooks. I was like, oh, let's go back to being Oops. open at the top. <laughs> So I, like, I think one going back to your point, I think structured practice as well. Yeah. I think I see we went we went to Trafford yesterday doing some filming mm-hmm. and the amount of people are just whacking. Yeah. Mm. Not practicing, they're just whacking. You're encouraged though with the tees and stuff, aren't you? How it's like up here. Yeah, it's, just, yeah. up. it's like that's the kind of but you're right, it's not I, th- I feel like their now, business model doesn't help practices. <laughs> it <Yeah>. doesn't, does it really? <laughs> no. And like when you go I mean, I always I remember when they started selling hundred and fifty golf balls. I, I yeah. actually protested. I was like, I think it's silly. Because it's too many. Yeah. Nobody needs 150 golf balls to hit in a practice session. But for two lads who hire a driver and want to whack, it's perfect. It's just ammo, isn't yeah. it? It's just literally yeah. ammo. <laughs> paintball, isn't well, it? That's it. If we went to paintball and said, you can have 10 paintballs and we're going to go for that target for five minutes yeah, work like on your technique. Time, yeah. Or do you want 150 with a machine gun? <laughs> I turned it on the guy that said it. And you can literally <laughs> do what you want and whack as much as you want. You'd be like, yeah, give me that option, please. So there's, yeah. there's different different situations, but I think structured practice, yeah. like what Carl said, just a little bit of, of monitoring your progress so that you can influence that structured practice definitely makes, makes a lot of benefit. Well, thanks for being on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad I exceeded expectations. Oh. Yeah, we might even use this one. It, it was a dummy run, but the, ca- the cameras are running actually, so we may as well use Have it. We recorded it, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, because we weren't sure. Um, Ouch. Yeah. Two pieces of housekeeping. First one, subscribe to Carter. Let's get into 50,000. Yes, please. Second one, um, rate us five stars if you listen on Apple, or subscribe to this channel if you're watching the video, because why not? And we'll see you all soon. Good luck, Carter. Good to have you home. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. We'll see you soon. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 